So if you follow car news, you know this is happening. Ford is looking to cut prices between $600 and $5,900 per vehicle. And here's the thing. Ford is losing money in order to go toe-to-toe with the electric car behemoth, Tesla. Why is Ford doing this? Well, it's complicated. And it's not so much about moving cars off the lot as it is about improving market share and building toward an electric future. Today, the future of electric vehicles in a rapidly changing market. This is Stateside. I'm April Baer. Later in the pod, we'll talk about how EV drivers share the burden of costs to maintain the roads that everybody drives on, while the rest of the gas-guzzling vehicles pay taxes at the pump. But first, the fight to get more people into EVs. What's happening is that Tesla has a lock in the U.S. on electric vehicles. That's Phoebe Wall-Howard. She covers automotive with the Detroit Free Press. They're the number one and two bestsellers. Ford has to penetrate that. And when Tesla announced two weeks ago price cuts, Ford actually had a plan to cut prices, but instead just matched it and did a challenge. So another executive told me today that, you know, Ford is used to challenging, is used to fighting competitors. I mean, that's sort of what the Detroit Three is made of. And so this is the kind of thing that they have been taking a loss on a number of the electric vehicles, not the, you know, they just don't turn a profit yet. But what Ford is careful to say is the more you sell, the more parts you buy in bulk. And just like shopping at Costco, you know, you get a lower price for the more stuff you buy from suppliers. So that's how you're driving costs down. Sell more. And uh, it's really counterintuitive. Tesla. Wow. Remember the good old days when Ford was mostly worried about Chevy? Well, it's yeah, at the moment, you know, obviously Ford is also keeping an eye on Chevy because that company is coming out with a new electric Silverado. So there will be, you know, the truck wars will shift to the electric landscape very, very soon. Ford has a luxury that some electric vehicle technology writers and investors don't understand. And that is they essentially print money with their traditional pickup trucks. That's what supports this investment. They can lose money. Just the way Amazon built itself up, you know, it was losing money all the time. People were wondering, what is this online, initially a bookseller, and now it sort of owns America. Ford has pickup money with the traditional vehicles and, um, and those are backordered like crazy. They say they're completely comfortable, part of the long-term plan, zero stress, uh, but they'll be making money very soon. Phoebe, for those who don't follow automotive as closely, what's the backstory for how Tesla has been able to set the standard for EV affordability? Well, Tesla has been able to set the standard because you know, the company has really had a luxury of a CEO who works around the clock, is known to work around the clock, and is a super tech nerd and loves that. And he has been sort of a superstar in building a cult following with products that people love. And um, when I lived in in California, I have to tell you, I think almost every single neighbor on my street drove a Tesla. And it was so common. I mean, that's just what you would see. So he targeted the communities that would be friendly to his vehicle. It was generally um, states and countries that care about the planet. 
and uh, and he marketed aggressively, not traditional marketing, but just very unusual strategies. And people really fell in love with the quality of the vehicle and all he had to offer. It just knew, and again, a personality driver. People are as in love with or have been Elon Musk as the vehicle. And uh, much like Alan Mulally with Ford Motor Company back in the day, it's very rare that a CEO can drive that. But Tesla framed the market, created provocative, interesting products. Investors went crazy. And uh, people have been very, very happy with their Teslas. He also built up a charging network. So, um, you know, it's out front, it's cutting edge. And now the Detroit Three are, are trying to catch up. As I mentioned before, Ford has gotten a lot of orders on Lightnings and and other other related models that might be hybrids. Why is it that Ford hasn't turned a profit on its EVs yet? Is it is it because there just haven't been that many cranked out going back to the Costco model that you mentioned? Um, well, two things. One, the cost of, of the elements in an electric vehicle. So the battery acquisition is a nightmare. Um, you know, sort of the, the ingredients in traditional vehicles are more accessible and the battery operated vehicles are more challenging. In addition, Ford hasn't been able in its own ability to actually ramp up its plant in Mexico. So it was really behind um, because its plant lacked capacity. So just this month of January, um, Ford has shut down the plant in Mexico and just overhauled the thing to, um, to create a surge in production. And that's, you know, if you think about it, it's only made 66,000 Mach-E's since the vehicle went on sale in 2020. And now they're planning to do 78,000. Um, they want to produce 78,000 a year and they're going up to 130,000. Ford couldn't build as fast as it needed to, and the ingredients for the electric vehicles have been hard to get and um, surging in price. So what does Ford expect about when it might actually start getting into the black with its EV line? By 2026. That's the plan. That's what they're telling Wall Street. I mean, that sounds like a long time in civilian terms, but is, the, is that really very long in the terms that the industry is electrifying? No, that's not long at all, especially what Ford is saying is this is part of the plan. You know, it's one thing if they were doing, if Ford was doing a knee-jerk reaction to Tesla and just making decisions on the fly, but they had planned to cut costs as soon as cost of ingredients started coming down. And, uh, you know, aluminum is one issue. They said it's, it's relaxing as well as steel. But you're looking at those commodity prices. That affects consumers. You know, people don't think of, you know, they get all upset about the price of eggs, but they don't think of the price of batteries and steel. And that affects your bottom line and ability to buy a car. You know, some people would tell you that the limiting factor for the competition in electric vehicles maybe has as much to do with infrastructure and the grid of chargers as it does plants to actually assemble vehicles. Do you see Ford being able to scale up the charging grid that it's going to need with speed to compete with Tesla beyond just the price factors that we've been talking about? Well, here's the thing. Um, Ford and all other automakers except Tesla 
have to depend on public money. They have got to get the infrastructure built. And you have different entities, different states that are going after this money and putting in charging stations so that basically it makes their state more friendly for business and consumers. Um, I don't think you can leave that to Ford or General Motors or Polestar or Rivian. It's got to be a group charging effort. And that's part of what the federal dollars are for. And the state's Uh, are investing as well. You've got small towns. I know uh, in Michigan, there's one small town that went after uh, public money to put in charging stations, realizing people would reroute their destination to go through this small town and stop to charge and shop a little bit. I mean, there's there's so many remarkable things happening at the same time here with the industry uh, building the airplane while they're flying it for EVs and hybrids. These are the same auto companies that before 2008 and the bailout had a reputation of maybe being behind what was happening with foreign manufacturers, maybe slow to change. What was it that caused this generational wake up and shift? The issue is um, you've got certain investors and business people, big money people who want want this push in this direction. And then politically with the Biden administration and um, some of the bipartisan legislation, this has moved things dramatically. Um, You know, whether it's Tesla or Ford and other automakers, they will say these federal dollars will make a huge difference. You know, Elon Musk was just at the White House meeting with the president. So this is an ongoing discussion. You know, Ron DeSantis in Florida, big Republican, you know, he's been supportive of electric vehicles. You have major donors in politics who like this direction. So I think you have big money combined with people who are, um, you know, climate change activists. So you sort of have different ends of the spectrum. I think that's what pushed it. There absolutely were people who were saying that the industry was moving too fast on this. At the same time, it's so interesting watching the, you know, the, the strong demand that consumers still seem to have for some of the newer models that are coming out with the understanding that it's the top end of the market. Phoebe, where do you think we are in terms of consumer demand and whether whether what the companies are making are in step with what people, you know, the, the, the average buyer wants? Well, I think that's a really important point. You know, Toyota has expressed concern and, you know, urged people to be cautious that Toyota has said, you know, electric vehicles are good and hybrid vehicles are really good, that there should be a mix and that's better for everyone. In terms of adoption, you know, I talk to people every day who are excited and also alarmed. Uh, They do not want to be forced. They're concerned. They want to learn more about how electric vehicles do in the cold and uh, if people feel comfortable and safe. So the more people adopt, the more calm people are. Uh, We're seeing that people are saving money on what would be fuel costs in a big way and also repair. You know, that people who have these vehicles, electric vehicles, do not spend money on repairs as others do. So, um, you know, we have to watch closely, but it's moving so quickly. We need to take a quick break. We'll talk about how all these electric vehicles that Ford and Tesla would like to see on the road are going to pay to maintain the roads in a minute. Be right back. 
Support for Michigan Public's stateside podcast comes from Lake Trust Credit Union, working to empower financial well-being for Michigan consumers, businesses, and communities. Committed to financial solutions and advice to support people and families. More information at laketrust.org. Support for the Stateside Podcast comes from Kalamazoo College, offering a personalized education that combines critical thinking, curiosity, and creativity. Committed to preparing students for meaningful careers that make a positive impact on the world. More at kzoo.edu. As it is, electric vehicles don't pay gas taxes through gas sales at the pump. And that means that they don't contribute in the same way to road maintenance, the same way that other drivers do. Owners of electric vehicles do have to pay a surcharge when they register. The County Road Association commissioned a study to see how much of a problem this is and what should be done to balance the cost among drivers. Lester Graham with the Environment Report wrote about this recently, and he's joining us now. Hey, Lester. Hi, April. So let's talk about some of the possible solutions here. As folks know, the the gas taxes that people driving ICEs and diesel engines right now are carrying most of the cost of road repairs and road maintenance, obviously a huge issue in Michigan. What are some of the possible solutions that are being kicked around? Well, this study that was commissioned by the County Road Association uh, outlined about five choices here, and I think they make sense. Uh, one is uh, gasoline and diesel vehicles uh, pay this bigger tax, so electric vehicles uh, should pay the surcharge, but they should pay a lot more than what they're paying right now. That's one solution. The uh, report also uh, looked at assessing a mileage-based road user. In other words, you'd report uh, monthly, perhaps, or uh, over a period of time, how far you drove or how much time you spent on the road, and you'd be charged that way. Uh, there's also the just charging by miles driven. That's um, called the VMT, and there's a couple of ways that can work. A flat rate, kind of like what we were just talking about. Drivers pay a set fee of mile per, miles traveled regardless of where and when they drive. And then there's the variable or dynamic rate a sliding rate that applies uh, depending on factors such as the time of travel, the weight of the vehicle, the vehicle's fuel efficiency rating, the number of passengers in the vehicle, road congestion levels at the time of the travel, the location of the road, and the type or class of road being used, which is a lot, right? The other is reporting mileage at registration. Uh, Per kilowatt hours is one that was brought up. And then toll roads. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Everybody's favorite subject. It's it seems like the technology has really come a long way in the conversation. There are some things that are now possible that might not have been 20 years ago. Folks who are just now getting into a newer used EV or hybrid have no doubt noticed what that they're paying, you know, the 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 registration fees are a little bit higher, surcharges, et cetera, are now part of the picture. But Lester, I'm assuming that the revenue that is currently collected isn't enough to backfill what's lost in gas taxes when someone drives an EV or a hybrid? Well, the internal combustion engine vehicles uh, pay at the pump a certain amount for t- uh, state tax and a certain amount for federal tax. Uh, that goes to roads. Uh, right now, the surcharge on electric vehicles 
is competitive with just the state tax alone and different figures, different calculations say they're paying more or they're paying less. It depends on who you ask and how they calculated the figures. At any rate, uh, the whole missing chunk of that is the federal tax, uh, which is which is important. So what do you do? I mean, there are, you pick one of these other five choices to make sure that we get both the state tax and federal tax revenue to keep the roads up? Right. Well, what is the fairest way to assess a road use tax on electric vehicles? Yeah, that depends on who you ask. Um, I, I talked to a guy named Charles Griffith. He's with the Ecology Center, and he co-authored a report on the issue. And that report recommended a vehicle miles traveled plan, a VMT as they call it, that would charge more to heavier, less efficient vehicles. But if that had to be paid, let's say, annually, that could be a hefty amount. You know, you pay your taxes if you're driving a gasoline car uh, every time you pump, uh, fill the fill the tank, right? It's paid right there mm-hmm. at the pump. But if you had to pay all of that at the end of the year, that could be a pretty hefty bill. Sure. I, I can imagine that would not be a very popular addition to the state's policy menu. What about some of the other proposals? I also talked to a guy named John DeChico. He's a retired University of Michigan research professor, and he studies this kind of stuff. He favors the per kilowatt hour fee, which he says can be just part of your utility bill, like your like other taxes are. He said smart meters can use uh, can be used to sort out the electricity that's needed for home and that that's charging the car. Uh, also, it would mean bigger, less efficient vehicles would pay more tax because they use more electricity. So, for instance, your Ford F-150 Lightning would end up paying more than a smaller, lighter Tesla Model 3. And it also works well with hybrids. Now, keep in mind, hybrids do burn gasoline, so they do pay some taxes, and they also use electricity. Uh, a mileage tax would be unfair to them, uh, so this idea of paying kilowatt per hour is, is a little more fair for them. I'm trying to think about what uh, the kilowatt hour mechanism might look like. I mean, it, 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 would it would it necessarily be something that would be attached to chargers or is this something that they could figure out via distance by, I don't know, tracking smartphones of the drivers of these vehicles? Yeah, no, it's it, they are telling me, and I haven't researched this thoroughly, that a lot of these chargers are like your smart meter uh, that measures your electricity and knows what appliances are going, uh, right? So it could be uh, uh, separated out as a specific charge and specifically taxed on your vehicle because it would be smart enough to know that that's coming from the charger you have in your home or likewise when you're uh, charging it in a public charger it would also assess that tax Uh, so he thinks that's the fairest way to do it there are some complications because you know what if you decide to bypass your charger and plug into an outlet Uh, you wouldn't be paying the tax then I mean, is there any likelihood that the state or or the federal government, for that matter, is going to move soon on any of this? Well, they're going to have to start talking about it because the outcry is they're not paying their fair share. Now, they've been talking about this for a while, and it's a small percentage of electric cars that are on the road, but that grows every year. And, you know, in 10, 15, 20 years, it's going to mean a lot of money. Right now, it's really not that big of a deal. But we've got to we've got to find a way. We've got to find a solution uh, before we're trying to play catch up. And since Michigan needs road money really, really badly right now, uh, they're trying to find out how they can do this, how they can fix this. 
Lester, is there any aspect of this beyond just road money that, if it's not part of the discussion now, maybe should be going forward? Yeah, one of the things that's not really being talked about is what the economists call externalities. Gas and diesel vehicles pollute, including greenhouse gases. There are costs to society and healthcare costs, uh, damage from climate change. And as I noted in my piece, the advantage of electric vehicles, especially if they're powered by renewable energy, is that those costs to society could end. And that's the Stateside Podcast for today. I'm April Baer. You can find full Stateside episodes at michiganradio.org. Today's pod was produced by Rachel Ishikawa. Other producers on our show are Mike Blank, Ronia Kabansag, Mercedes Mejia, and April Van Buren. Our executive producer is Laura Weber-Davis. Music for the podcast comes from Blue Dot Sessions. It's good to have you with us. We'll be back in your feeds tomorrow. Till then, bye-bye. Hi, I'm Rebecca Williams. I'm Lester Graham. We've been working on a big project about Great Lakes birds called the Bird Connection. It will look at ducks and trumpeter swans. Egrets and herons. And piping plovers. Yes! We'll discuss what we've discovered at a Michigan Public Issues and Ale event. Including how some problems for birds are problems for people. It's at Arbor Brewing Company in Ypsilanti the evening of May 21st at 7. You can register at michiganpublic.org.